At Kroger, we work with local farms right in our own backyard to bring you food that's fresher than fresh. From homegrown watermelon that makes your mouth water to crisp corn picked right around the corner. Come pick out some yourself. Because shopping for local produce should be as easy as shopping at your local Kroger. Kroger, fresh for everyone. When you're a Boost member, you get free delivery, double fuel points, and lots more. Sign up at Kroger.com boost. In the heat of the moment, you're not just keeping it calm, you're keeping it cool too. With an ice cold cold brew, and not just any cold brew, but one that's slow steeped and mixed with brown sugar and molasses flavor. With a cold foam infused with brown sugar coolness and a cinnamon sugar sprinkle on top. That's keeping it calm, cool, and cold brewed. With Dunkin's new brown sugar cream cold brew, America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary, limited time offer, terms apply. Hello and welcome to our second century of episodes, episode 101, and I can't believe I'm saying this, I can't believe we actually got to this point. Uh, When I started out doing this, I never imagined I'd be in three figures of a podcast. Um, I do hope we didn't insult you too much in the last episode. Uh, I know me and my dad did let rip a little bit on certain issues Um, So hopefully you guys have came through that all unscathed and you're ready to learn a bit more history with me, Dan the Viking. Now I want to have a shout out to everyone who has come back. Thank you so, so much for coming back to us. Um, If you guys are, are, are on our Patreon, thank you very much. Those of you who are listening and who are on the Facebook group, thank you very much. You guys are what keep us going, keep my podcast going on for hopefully another 100 more episodes and maybe even more who knows you might never get tired of me but this week ladies and gentlemen we are talking about one of the most famous the most influential and the most controversial women of all time a woman who even today is revered and hated across all parts of the UK. No matter where you are, there is somebody who loathes and somebody who loves Margaret Thatcher. The Iron Lady, the woman Prime Minister, the first female Prime Minister of a major Western power, the first woman ever to declare war on another nation. The Iron Lady had her faults, and this is why we'll find out in this episode why she is so controversial, and why the week she died, the number two album, or the number two record in the British charts, was Ding Dong, The Witch is Dead. And hopefully by the end of this episode, you will have a bit more of an understanding as to why Margaret Thatcher is such a controversial figure. Now, I will try and keep my own politics out of this episode. For those of you who know me, I am a conservative. Um, I 
am from the south of England, where Margaret Thatcher is loved and revered. Um, but I have now moved to the north of England, uh, where she is loathed and hated. So, we'll get into the story. Margaret Hilda Roberts was born on October the 13th, 1925. That is a date that is shared with my stepmother, Liz. So for those of you who listen to me dad's radio, um, there's a a famous birthday to go with that one, uh, October the 13th. Margaret Thatcher, or sorry, Margaret Hilda Roberts was born to a greengrocer. Her father was a shopkeeper. He was not um, middle class. He was a working class man. Um, And she was born into a normal Lincolnshire family. She was not revered as as someone who was going to do well uh, in life. She was just a run-of-the-mill working class girl uh, from Lincolnshire. She had a very modest upbringing, um, a decent schooling, um, and she was very, very good at school. Uh, She actually attended Oxford University, which for those of you who are living on another planet, uh, Oxford University is one of the most prestigious universities in the world. She actually, um, she was interested in chemistry. She worked under a Nobel Prize winner at Oxford, a lady named Dorothy Hodgkin, um, and she learned a lot from that. Now from that, believe it or not, for those of you who do love a Mr. Whippy in this country. Margaret Thatcher was one of the pioneers behind the Mr. Whippy ice cream. So, you know, whatever we think about her, just remember, we wouldn't have Mr. Whippy if it wasn't for Margaret Thatcher. So for all her faults, she did she did make us like good ice cream. But further on from that, she was... Um, just a normal run-of-the-mill girl. Obviously, she was quite well-educated, obviously making herself to Oxford University. She came out with good qualifications, um, and she also became a member of the Oxford University Conservative Party. One of the main reasons she found herself in politics at such a young age was 1945, the end of the Second World War, there was a re-election or another election in the UK for leader. And what you would be shocked to know is that Winston Churchill and the Conservative parties actually lost the 1945 election. Having just won the Second World War, the Labour Party under Clement Attlee won that election. Now, Clement Attlee was Prime Minister for six years, and in his six years... He did some amazing work. He invented the, well, I say invented, he created the National Health Service, the British NHS, which is our healthcare system. Um, He sorted out the post-war settlement and also set up the welfare state of Britain to help those who were unable to work. So he did a lot of good, um, but these were policies that went against conservatism. So, a general, me being a conservative, for example, a general consensus is that why should I pay my taxes for somebody who doesn't want to work? 
that's the conservative attitude is if you can get up and go to work you should get up and go to work other people shouldn't have to pay for that also conservatism has that side where you're talking about capitalism and how people should be able to make their own money um, and do things themselves whereas the socialist side of clement attlee and the left-wing labor party has that um that feeling that everybody should be treated the same um, and that everybody, no matter what they're standing in society, whether they are upper class, middle class, working class, um, should be entitled to the same benefits. Hence, the National Health Service is available for everybody across the board. So there are pros and cons of both sides. And I, I am one of the um, voters, I, I would say, who can see both sides of the coin. Um, I'm not 100% um, in the I'm not paying for your NHS uh, side of things. Um, but Margaret Thatcher uh, was a staunch conservative and Clement Attlee winning the 1945 election pushed her to pursue a, a career in politics. So, 1946, Margaret Thatcher, like I said, she enters the university's world of politics. She actually becomes head of what is known as the Oxford University Conservative Association. In other words, the university's answer to politics. She was so good at this that she actually decided to enter politics in 1950. Now, she ran for the seat of Dartford, which is South East, southeast England. Had to do a little map in my head there. This is the southeast of England. She actually managed to increase her voter share, the Conservative voter share in Dartford, by fifty percent. Now she didn't actually win that uh, that vote, and she did not become a member of Parliament from the nineteen fifty election. But it did show how she could create something, how she could basically turn the tide of politics now you've got to remember 1950s britain women were not in politics actually up until 1969 when uh, margaret thatcher um, became a cabinet member and um, there were only four female cabinet members on the uh, in ever in british history so women in politics at, in the 1950s was not not the norm i would say is probably the best way of putting it and when a female candidate candidate stepped up a lot of people were not sure about whether it was worth voting for obviously she did increase her her vote um, but not enough to win that particular vote she actually lost the vote the following year as well in 1951 um, and that was the year where winston churchill regained power in parliament and the conservatives actually regained um, the majority in parliament so you would have thought considering that the conservatives had won the overall election um it still wasn't enough for margaret thatcher to to enter into westminster it was around 1951 where margaret hilda roberts met dennis thatcher now, Dennis Thatcher was a very, very flamboyant, strange gentleman, um, but he was the perfect man for Margaret. Um, they had two children, I believe, and they both grew up in the family home with them. Now, 
Dennis was a very hands-off type of husband. In other words, he wasn't really interested in Margaret's day-to-day life, but he was very supportive of her ambitions to to succeed in government, which meant that he was pretty much the perfect um, husband material for, for an ambitious woman. Because he is not going to hold her back. He's not, uh, you know, he was not really bothered. And it kind of worked out well for them. And the only time that it ever really made the press that he was uh, absent was um, the birth of the ch- of uh, one of their children, where um, Dennis Thatcher decided to go to the cricket instead of actually uh, attend the hospital on the birth of his child. That was one time where it, it did make the news that he was a bit too hands-off and probably should have paid a little bit more attention but other than that um he was the rock that margaret thatcher needed um to get her through the politics margaret re stood for election in 1959 um, she spent a, f- a couple of years as a barrister um she actually went for the conservative safe seat of finchley now the way british politics works is you have certain towns across the uk each gets to send a member of parliament to parliament. Um, Each town gets their own vote, and the country is divided up. So, however, very similar to the American system. um, However, we have uh, an individual town rather than a state basis. Um, But, yeah, the the voting is is very similar. Uh, We have maybe five or six candidates for each one rather than just the the two i believe you guys have an independent as well but um realistically you only have the two parties i would say nowadays realistically we only have two as well um the other parties just almost like a, a pointless vote um although saying that is probably offensive to someone who votes green party or something like that but um realistically if you vote green or liberal democrats or UKIP or anything like that you're pretty much wasting your vote it's either Labour or Conservative Uh, Finchley is one of those towns that the Conservatives don't lose therefore it's known as a safe town Grimsby for example is has where I live has always been a Labour town it's very Labour very red that was up until the last election when it turned blue for the Conservatives so unsurprisingly she obviously won Uh, and entered into the world of Westminster. Now, she started to skyrocket through the party, and by 1961, she was actually appointed the Minister of Pensions and National Insurance. So, it's not a very high role, but it is is a front bench role. Now, again, in, in British politics, we have the front benchers and the back benchers. The front benchers are essentially the ones who make the decisions. The backbenchers are the ones that you'll see on TV yelling and cheering and things like that. But they, they do they're not the higher members of the party. So she made herself into the cabinet in nineteen sixty one, the cabinet being the slang term, I suppose, for the front benchers. However, this didn't last for very long. She, uh, the Conservatives actually lost power in nineteen sixty four. She was now on the front bench of the Conservative Conservative Party, but on the wrong side of the Houses of Parliament. They were under a new leader called Ted Heath. 
And her and Ted Heath had many, many clashes. They were not uh, essentially seeing eye to eye. But nonetheless, Ted Heath saw the potential of Margaret Thatcher um, and she was a member of his shadow cabinet. That's what the... Essentially, they are... You have a shadow leader, a shadow um, minister of finance and things like that. So shadow home secretary and shadow deputy leader. They're basically, if the conservatives were to win the next election, these guys would take on those roles. So as, uh, for example, a defense minister would answer questions from the shadow defense minister, so on and so forth. Weirdly enough, Ted Heath and his lack of charisma, managed to win the 1970 election. This put Margaret Thatcher as only the fifth female ever to sit on a main party's cabinet. So she had skyrocketed to the point of pretty much stardom as as far as politicians go. And 1970, you're still talking about most of these politicians, um... Being in their 60s, 70 years old, um, a lot of these men were older generation. These were men who had been part of Churchill's um, war cabinet. They'd been men who had been through the Second World War. These were very old school men. Um, They didn't really want a female in their cabinet. You know, they... it was a very sexist time to be a female politician. So Margaret Thatcher, now front bench cabinet member in power, she's got a very important job. She's got a high ranking job. She's actually got to save some money uh, in the, the budget. In 1971, Margaret Thatcher did something that most people in this country will know. Um... And something that stuck with her for her entire political career. She abolished free school milk for children in a way to save money. Now, up until, or from the end of the Second World War up until 1970, British school children were given a pint of milk every day from the government. She got rid of it. It's not really a big deal. Um, Well, I don't think it's really a big deal, but then I never grew up with it. Um, And this meant that everywhere she went, she was followed by cries of Thatcher, Thatcher, milk snatcher. Um, And that was something that she had the entire policy, her entire political career. She was known as the milk snatcher, Thatcher the milk snatcher. So, yep, not the greatest uh, nickname that any politician could have had, but realistically when we look at the 1970s and the fact that britain in the 1970s was pretty much on a knife edge as to whether we were going to a civil war between the unions that were causing strikes across the country and the government and things like that realistically her taking the milk away was probably not the main priorities during that decade there were a lot more important things to worry about but that's what she did and that's what stuck with her Like I said before, one of the main issues that was plaguing Margaret Thatcher was her relationship with the Prime Minister, Ted Heath. They really didn't get on. Margaret Thatcher was fed up of having to defend her leader. Now, 
what you tend to find in this country is politicians will go on stage, they will go on radio shows, they will go on television, they will answer questions from journalists. And they pretty much need to put up a united front. Very rarely do you get a member of the party come out and insult the leader of the same party. It's normally a united front as much as they can. And obviously Margaret Thatcher had to defend Ted Heath when she was brought onto radio shows and things like this, um, which she didn't enjoy doing. Now, Ted Heath actually invented what was called the three-day week. Now, that might not sound too bad. I mean, for me, I would love a three-day working week. But the reason he did it was for three days a week, businesses were allowed to have energy or electricity. Other than that, they weren't allowed to use electricity. So he cut down on the supply of electricity throughout the country to save on energy prices. Now, the energy crisis we're in at the moment, that might not sound like a bad idea, but it does cause a lot of social unrest, and that's exactly what it did. She didn't agree with this policy, and she tried to fight him on it. In fact, Ted Heath was that bad that he actually lost the 1974 election, and now Margaret Thatcher saw herself out of power. Now, normally, nowadays, when you lose an election the leader of the losing party will normally fall on their sword and step down as leader of the party. This didn't happen, and Ted Heath did not stand down. In fact, the only way that anyone could get Ted Heath out of that position was to put her through a vote of no confidence and try and replace him as leader. Nobody wanted to do it, other than Margaret Thatcher. Everybody thought Margaret Thatcher, a woman running for leader of the Conservative Party, she must be out of her mind. She's never going to win. But she went on the attack. She pointed out all of his flaws, pointed out everything that he'd done wrong, and she rallied the right wing of the Conservative Party around her. They went to the ballots, and in 1975, February 1975, the results were in. Ted Heath had lost the election. Now, technically... Having won that ballot, she was still not leader of the Conservative Party. Um, The Conservatives have a slightly different rule in their party compared to other parties. Um, He didn't have to step down if he didn't want to. Um, But realistically, he knew that uh, his position wasn't wasn't safe. And he did the honourable thing and he stepped aside. So now, 1971, Margaret Thatcher... Sorry, not 1975, Margaret Thatcher is now the head of a major political party in the UK. So although this might seem like a really good thing, um, no one really expected her to ever go any further. Uh, 1975, Labour was under the, the charge of a man named Harold Wilson. He was a prime minister. He was extremely liked. He was very, very popular. Didn't matter that... You know, Margaret Thatcher was making these wonderful speeches that she was nicknamed the Iron Lady. Um, You know, she was the first female minister to to run a party. Um, None of this mattered. In the polls, she didn't stand a chance against him. He was so well liked. Now, the following year, he actually resigned as prime minister. Um, Later discoveries uh, 
suggests that he he stepped down because he found out he had Alzheimer's. Now, he was replaced by a man named James Callahan, who was probably the most boring, useless prime minister um, that Britain has ever had. In fact, he was that boring. Um, he turned a pro-labor country into Tory voters or conservative voters. Everyone hated him. He was that. He had no charisma. He was just not worthy of the position that he was given, um, which gave Margaret Thatcher her chance. He was so bad. Her her opportunity would come at the next election. Now, 1978 cemented this for Margaret Thatcher. It pretty much put the nail in the coffin of James Callaghan. And this is what we know in this country as the winter of discontent. So there were strikes. There were problems up and down the country. Pay freezes. Uh, no gas. No electricity. People had to heat their homes with candle lights. Uh, you know, there was so many problems going across this country. In fact, they didn't pick up the refuse. No waste collection was done in the UK for about a month. They, these were piled high. Some some streets had almost a story high of rubbish just piled up on top of each other because the bin men refused to work because of the pay. They wouldn't go out and pick up the rubbish. You then had uh, undertakers refusing to bury bodies because no one would dig the graves. So there were bodies being left in morgues and mortuaries across the country not being buried. Um, The country was in such a bad state that there was just no way anybody would have walked away from it and gone to the polls and voted for James Callaghan and that Labour Party. Margaret Thatcher called a vote of no confidence. This is something that can be done if enough MPs go through. So the MPs will vote on it. Now, obviously, James Callaghan has the majority in Parliament, um, but with enough Labour MPs to back her, they will the vote of no confidence goes through, there's a re-election. Now, Margaret Thatcher played a really good game. She put up posters. There were posters all over the country of long doll queues saying Labour isn't working, Conservatives are better. And it showed. Now, Callaghan, like I said, no charisma, pretty boring bloke. He wasn't really that bothered. He He sort of gave off the impression that well, I'm not going to lose because I'm going up against a woman. There's no way I'm going to lose. Why does it matter? Doesn't matter what she does. She can say whatever she wants. She's a woman. I'm a man. People are going to vote for me. How wrong he was. May the 3rd, 1979, Margaret Thatcher wins with a very comfortable majority and becomes the first female prime minister in British history. Now, her entrance speech into parliament was where there is discord may we bring harmony something that sounded really good in the 70s 1979 sounded very optimistic she was going to unite the country but she didn't and now we will talk about margaret thatcher as prime minister Margaret Thatcher went on a rampage in her first few years as Prime Minister. 
she privatized a lot of things. Okay, so we had um, national. Obviously, we have the national health service. We had things like national rail, national coal, national steel, um, a lot of industries, national fishing. Um, all these industries were sold off to private, private invest, uh, private entrepreneurs, and it it didn't materialize into anything in the early 1980s. In fact, it put more people out of work. It put more people in financial hardship. It made her awful. You know, 90, come nine, early 80s, 1980, 81, 82, she did not look like she was going to win another election. She was shockingly bad. Um, you know, there were riots up and down the country, strikes up and down the country. Um, there were things that happened. Um, she set the army in on people who were striking. Um, she set the police on people who were uh, having protests, you know, friendly protests, and she would send the police in um, gung-ho as well, not just send them in. She would send them in armed baton shields ready to kick the shit out of whoever came across them um you know and and they used propaganda quite a lot i mean there was a, a very famous clip of the one of the coal miners strikes that was going on in in the north of england and the police um went in they went in like i said they went in gung-ho and they started battering these coal miners um who were striking and the bbc actually replayed the footage but they put it in reverse so they reversed the footage on the bbc which made it look like the coal miners were attacking the police officers and that's the story that they ran with coal miners attack police officers but you could tell that it had been doctored and this was all part of a propaganda thing she was not doing very very well in the early 80s and it looked like she was going to lose the next election. There was no two ways about it. Unfortunately for Labour, there was a lifeline thrown to Margaret Thatcher in a blue and white flag. That was the flag of Argentina, where they decided to invade a tiny little island off the coast of Argentina called the Falklands. This happened in 1982, uh, in April 1982. And they were expecting pretty much the British to roll over. They didn't have much money. They weren't expecting the British to care about a godforsaken rock on the other side of the Atlantic. And they wanted the island back. Maggie Thatcher did not agree with this. She sent out the Royal Navy and the Royal Marines to retake British territory overseas. And they did. We won the Falklands. Uh, we won the islands back. And we took back the uh, the Falkland Islands and the island of South Georgia. And the Argentinians have never tried again. Now, that being said, there is a lot more to the Falklands War than just that. That is just a real brief overstatement. Um, so I will do an episode on the Falklands War because it's it's fascinating and there's a lot to it but essentially her approval rating went through the roof british people 
it it struck a chord with the British people that a prime minister was willing to send troops to the other side of the world just to protect British people. And there wasn't that many British people on the Falkland Islands either. But she was willing to do everything to protect anybody who flew a British flag. And that was enough for the British people to pretty much forget what she'd just done. Um, I mean, obviously some people didn't forget, but a lot of people did sort of almost forgive the previous few years and jumped on this Argentina bandwagon that, that she had created. And it worked. The war strengthened her relationships with America. It put her on a global stage. Um, and it almost made her seem as if she was Ronald Reagan's equal, not just the quirky sidekick that Britain had been for the previous sort of 20 years. And it worked. Like I said, the 1983 election, Margaret Thatcher uh, won with a landslide victory, absolutely destroyed Labour, um, and was re-elected in government, something that two or three years before that just seemed like an impossible task. Thatcher's re-election was the catalyst to her changing Britain as from what we knew. She hired a man named Ian McGregor to look at the coal industry and to make it profitable. Britain, at the time, the industries that Britain had were sort of hemorrhaging money. They weren't they weren't making as much money as as they could potentially do. Um, and Mr. McGregor did this in 1980 with British Steel at the cost of 95,000 jobs and the devastation of many towns and cities across the UK. And he was now to be put in charge of the coal industry and to do pretty much the same thing. Now, the problem with the coal industry compared to the steel industry was a man who was head of the coal miners union named Arthur Scargill. Now, Arthur Scargill is a controversial character in British history. Um, he was the head of the National Union of Miners, the NUM, and he was basically the man, or not, not just him, but him and his his industry were the ones who made Ted Heath do the three-day week. Because coal was the main source of energy for the UK, when they removed that energy, they didn't really have much of a choice. Britain had to conserve the energy that they were allowed to get from the coal mining industry. This is what led to Ted Heath losing his position and Margaret Thatcher coming in. Now, the NUM was very powerful. They had a lot of control over a lot of things um, and the ability to shut down Britain uh, from an energy capacity was something that Margaret Thatcher couldn't abide by. So she was ready for the fight. She knew what was coming because it happened to her predecessor and she was secretly stockpiling coal in the back in the background, um, hired in non-union miners to enter the pits and primed the police ready to fight. Now, this is where it gets sticky for Margaret Thatcher because 
a lot of people believe that the NUM had the right to do what they did. And a lot of people believe that Margaret Thatcher did the right thing by crushing the strikes and by making Britain work. Essentially, if the NUM had got their way, um, the ways that they would have gone about getting their way would have brought uh, Britain to an industrial halt. They would have uh, they would have suffered massively on an economic scale, um, and Margaret Thatcher was prepared for that. Something that the NUM wasn't prepared for. Um, her tactics, her aggressive tactics with the police. Um, there was a a riot in Orgrave. Um, well, it was a protest that turned into a riot um, to which the police uh, put 123 people in hospital. So, again, there's a lot of issues with the way she dealt with things. Um, she dealt with things very heavy-handedly. She was known as the Iron Lady for a reason. Um, you know, the famous speeches uh, saying the lady is not for turning... She was not willing to give in to the miners um, and she was willing to fight to keep her country in a position where she was in power and not these uh, the people on strike. So that's where the issue comes from there. Now, unfortunately for the mining industry, it was on a downwards scale. You know, there were a lot of new styles of energy coming in. Um, the mining industry was not as important going into the 80s and 90s as it was for the previous sort of 20 years, 30 years, even longer back than that. Um, and that's very hard to explain to somebody in that industry that the job you've done, your granddad's done, your great-granddad, your great-great-granddad, you know, these mining towns everybody in this village was a miner you know everybody in their family previous to that were miners um and to explain to to people like that that actually your industry is is not going to be feasible in 20 years time um and we need to do something about that now um that's what caused the problems now obviously she wasn't very good at uh coming across to people like that the way uh the way that we can do now um but that's what caused the the main riots in the 80s now these were just as bad as the riots that we saw in the 70s um the problem is for whatever reason margaret thatcher sticks in the head of people um compared to the the labor government that happened 10 years previous that was doing pretty much the same thing margaret thatcher sticks in the head because she was the lady that actually won she crushed the coal mining industry she crushed the steel industry she sold them off for profits um and that's where the hatred is is resonated from the strike was called off uh in in 1985 and um, due to the fact that they didn't have the resources to, to carry on and Margaret Thatcher was very clever um, and she dragged it out. You know, she dragged out the whole process and basically starved the miners into submission. She passed laws that meant that the families couldn't get jobs. If your family member was part of the NUM, if your husband was a miner, you couldn't go out and get a job because your husband was a miner. So she knew what she was doing and she absolutely 
you know, crippled uh, families, and, and it meant that the miners had to go back to work. Now, if I put this into perspective, Britain had 174 deep mining pits. That's how many towns and cities across the UK um, were reliant on the mining industry. Um, they closed all but 15. So, you know, there was 159 pits closed within a few you know a handful of years from 1985 um and this devastated towns you know like i said these were towns that weren't just reliant on it this was the only job that men in these towns did there was no other jobs there you know you had a handful of people that worked in the shops but mainly these were women and young younger men but the majority of working men in these towns ended up in the pits and obviously when all of this was taken away there were no jobs for people to have to make matters worse for margaret thatcher throughout her entire career as as prime minister um is something that we call quote unquote the troubles uh, essentially this was the main problem in northern ireland now for those of you who don't know there are still issues in Northern Ireland, even now. Essentially, Ireland was uh, under British rule. When Ireland was given back, there are six counties in the north of Ireland that remained part of the UK, and the rest went back to being Ireland. Uh, unfortunately, there are people in Northern Ireland who want Ireland to be a united country and there are people in Ireland who obviously want Ireland to be a united country and there are people in Northern Ireland who want Northern Ireland to stay part of the United Kingdom and that's where the troubles come now this is essentially this is a Protestant and Catholic issue um, it's an issue that's been going on for a long long time and they have had independent votes about this and and things like that to decide whether northern ireland should return to being part of ireland or whether it should stay part of the uk now every time this vote comes in uh, overwhelmingly it decides to stay part of the united kingdom now i can understand why it does that um, but i also am quite astute to politics and are well aware that these elections although not rigged they're not rigged elections but what they are is they put a catholic majority in one of the six counties which means one of the six counties will overwhelmingly vote to rejoin ireland the other five counties which have a protestant majority may be very slim because the catholics in northern ireland do outnumber the protestants um, but because there is a slim majority in the other five counties and a huge majority of catholics in one those other five counties they vote to remain because there is a slight majority and overall five versus one five beats one so it's a very hard one if they was to do take a poll and do it purely on stay or remain and not not divide it into counties i think it would be potentially a different outcome but um it's one that i haven't looked into enough to understand why 
the the issues in Northern Ireland because it's a very dangerous subject to touch because if you get it wrong, um, you're putting your head above the parapet. Um, so I'm not uh, not in a position to do that. Um, but hey, the issues that were going on in Northern Ireland were a massive factor to Margaret Thatcher. And there was a riot that happened in Northern Ireland to which British soldiers um, ended up killing 16 um, Irish um, Catholics. And the Irish Republican Army, or the IRA, retaliated. They retaliated in 1979 by killing 18 British soldiers and they also killed Lord Mountbatten, who was a member of the royal family. This was not a good start for Margaret Thatcher's career. And then there were a string of IRA bombings that happened across the country. Um, these also included um, attacks uh, on conservative members of parliament. Uh, Margaret Thatcher was targeted many times, never actually successfully, um, but they they were successful in, in killing um, MPs, which I'll, I'll get to in a minute. Um, one of the other main blows for Margaret Thatcher was they had IRA prisoners. Uh, a man named Bobby Sands, um, or MP Bobby Sands, he was arrested, he was put in prison, he went on hunger strike. Now, during his hunger strike, he said that he would not eat, drink, or anything until Margaret Thatcher gave in to the demands that they were asking. During this point in time, he was entered as a candidate for MP for one of the Northern Ireland areas, to which he won. So now you had a problem where a member of parliament, or an elected member of parliament, was in prison on a hunger strike because he didn't agree with the Prime Minister and the, the things that the British government were doing. Um, Bobby Sands actually died in prison on his hunger strike along with a handful of, of other IRA comrades. And... This sent shockwaves across the UK because people, although can understand why Margaret Thatcher did what she did, you could see the physical problems with Bobby Sands. You could see the um, the malnourishment and, and everything that was going on, and it was publicised. So she was almost seen as a murderer, to certain people because she did not back down um whether she should or shouldn't have backed down is not for me to say but she um she was definitely looked at in a very different light after the bobby sands incident i'll just go back a little bit and just talk about the the bombing of the hotel um this was called the brighton hotel bombing uh, which was the ira um that was their attempt uh kill the top tier of British government. Um, now on the 12th of October 1984 the Grand Brighton Hotel in England um, was um, a target. There was a long 
time-delayed bomb that was planted by an IRA member called Patrick McGee. And the purpose of this bomb was to kill Margaret Thatcher and her cabinet members who were staying at the hotel for a Conservative Party conference. Now, Thatcher narrowly escaped with her life, um, but five people from the Conservative member, uh, five people connected with the Conservative Party and one Conservative member of Parliament were actually killed on that day. Um, it was it was a very strange time in the UK. Um, I was not a, alive in the 80s, but um, it was quite a strange time. IRA bombings happened very, very regularly. Car bombings um, happened quite regularly. This was obviously a major scale bombing where a, a member of parliament was actually killed. Now, this obviously is not something that the British people condoned and it it sort of had the opposite effect on Margaret Thatcher's um, legacy so a lot of people up to 1984 they they'd sort of they'd had enough of Margaret Thatcher you know she was all right she'd won the election but people had seen a lot of things that were going wrong people could see the light at the end of the tunnel was slowly fading um, but just like the Falklands War, something like this happened and she came out with her speeches and, and public addresses and rallied the British people against the IRA, which were essentially um, a foreign army that were attacking British people. So it it had a different effect. And, and even now when you, you talk to British people that were around in the 80s, um, English people in, more in particular, um, they do have a, a, a negative opinion of the IRA because of things like this. Um, but on the same token, it's the same reason when you talk to Irish people, um, they have the same opinion of the British Army because the British Army did similar things in Ireland. Um, but obviously, we'll get into that in a in a different episode if I feel brave enough. Away from the wars and the problems, we'll we'll look at Margaret Thatcher's policies and what she did as Prime Minister. Now, she brought in a a type of politics that we, we now call Thatcherism, okay? And essentially what she did was she made the statement that anybody who works hard and puts in enough effort can be rich. Okay, so you had the ability to make your own money if you were willing to get off your backside and actually work for it. Now, the principle of this is wonderful, um, and it is true for many, many people, and it was true for many people, hence why she kept winning elections. Unfortunately, for former mining towns, steel towns, things like that, this was not a reality. Um, It wasn't something that they could realistically believe now margaret thatcher benefited from this because she brought out schemes um one of the most famous schemes in in uk was a thing called the right to buy now the right to buy meant that people who lived in uh council housing so for those of you who don't know what council housing in it's essentially a house that the state own um, and you pay rent on that house um 
it's a lot less than if you were to rent from a private landlord but it's uh you have a lot of things like we have a thing called council housing estates in this country uh, i know in america an estate is just one home um but in this country an estate is a a collection of maybe you know anything up to three four hundred houses probably what you would call a neighborhood um but these these estates these council estates um people didn't have very much money and this right to buy scheme that she introduced meant that people who didn't have much money could save a little bit and then buy their own property they could buy their council house and when they bought their council house they bought it for a lot cheaper than what a professional landlord someone who had a lot of money would 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 do now um council housing is not is not a bad thing i myself live in a council house um it's not necessarily a a negative thing um but it is something that the right to buy gives you that sense of i own this this is my house now and and it's something that still exists today you know we still have the right even now to buy our council house properties if if we so desire so she made a lot of people very very rich um just by doing that she also introduced a thing which we know now as the big bang margaret thatcher had been loosening regulations on london's financial district since she took office in 1979 and the main reason for this was that uh, people outside of the uk could come in and buy british property they could buy british industry um, they could buy businesses um, they could actually make money in britain which meant a lot of money was flowing into britain that wouldn't have been there before now these regulations were loosened up to such a point that in October, well more specifically October the 27th 1986, um, the financial regulations were essentially dropped for the space of 24 hours. Overnight this created 1,200 new millionaires across the UK. It paved way for London's Canary Wharf, um, the financial district. Um, it was a huge, huge influx of cash coming into the UK and it made people money. It made a lot of people money very, very fast and it put a lot of people into work. So you've got to think, once these new industries had been, uh, these new financial industries had been raised from the ground, there were a lot more jobs available. Um, London became sort of a financial hub of the world, which it still is today. Um, and this was all thanks to Margaret Thatcher and this loosening of regulations. Thatcher also formed a very good relationship with Mikhail Gorbachev. Um, he was the Soviet leader. Um, he, she actually had a relationship with him prior to him becoming Soviet leader. Um, but they spent a, a, allegedly a six-hour debate um, on the, the benefits of capitalism versus communism, um, to which Thatcher came out and said, well, we can do business together, but that's about it. Um, but it, it, it paved the way for that relationship, and, and for those of you who, who were aware of it, the relationship between America and the USSR uh, in the 1980s 
especially under Gorbachev, were were starting to get better than what they were previous to that. Um, Reagan and Gorbachev had a, a pretty decent um, relationship. Margaret Thatcher and, and Gorbachev had a, a pretty decent relationship as well. And this was something that we hadn't seen for quite a long time because there were such opposing views. You know, you had communism on, on one side, which was extremely far left, and the capitalist money-making ideas on the right-hand side, which was um, which was seen as extremely far right. Obviously, not not to the extent of, of fascism, but it, it was seen as, as far right. And this paved the way for Margaret Thatcher to be put on a national stage. Now, in 1987, she was actually invited to Russia, um, or to the USSR, and she was on live television where she gave a one-hour speech on all of the failings that the USSR were doing. Now, essentially, all this did was cement into people's minds who lived in those these areas everything that they'd been thinking for the last couple of decades, everything they thought was wrong with their country. This British Prime Minister came in and said you're absolutely right these are the problems that you've got it worked it had such a, an effect that even places now uh, places like the Czech Republic Ukraine um, a lot of Eastern European countries they still see Margaret Thatcher as a hero as one of the greatest women of the 20th century they almost put her on par with someone like Churchill because of how influential she was to breaking up the USSR and having issues with what was going on over there. She was not perfect. Um, there was no denying Margaret Thatcher was not a perfect Prime Minister. Um, she openly opposed the breaking up of the apartheid in South Africa. Um, she called Nelson Mandela a common terrorist. Now, I sit on the fence with this, with Nelson Mandela. Um, what he did that landed him in prison uh, is, as far as I'm concerned, terrorism. Um, what he did when he came out of, out of prison, if we can uh, agree to disagree on, on that, I think if you murder innocent people, um, I don't think you should be held as a hero afterwards, um, regardless of what you, what you did. Um, but that's neither here nor there the the point is that she was openly criticizing um black south africans she openly admitted that uh, britain was the only country that would deal with white supremacists in south africa um she wasn't um she wasn't known for 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 liking um black south africans let's put it that way on the flip side to this, she was the first Prime Minister in British history to openly criticise climate um, and to say that we needed to do something about climate change. Um, she was essential in things like the WWF, um, the, uh, the, the instrumental in basically making sure that the whole world was aware of things that were going on. Um, in regards to climate change um, she was a pioneer behind this and she actually won a third term so this is again when you you look back and you think you know she people hated her they really did hate her um, but she won a third term in 1987 she was the first prime minister 
in the 20th century to win three terms. Now, bearing in mind, this is um, this is a, a century where Winston Churchill was prime minister. Now, all right, Churchill did do three terms, but he didn't do them consecutively. Um, she was the first prime minister to do that in, in, in the 20th century. So it goes to show that although she had her faults, she had a lot of things wrong with her, um, a lot of things that she did that were wrong, she did a lot of good for this country as well. Margaret Thatcher was also a massive anti-European uh, member of Parliament. She was very, very anti-Europe. Now, Britain joined the European Union in 1975 after a referendum, and she didn't agree. You know, the Conservative Party were very, very pro-Europe, and they believed that Europe was the way way to do things and she didn't agree with that obviously when she was head of the conservative party she did everything she could to undermine um what was going on in the european union now obviously this caused a few issues within her party and a lot of members of parliament actually stood down from their positions there were when this happens in parliament for example this creates the the view from the outside that they are very, very incompetent, that they can't keep their own party in line. Margaret Thatcher was not towing the party line and people were leaving because of it. And this is probably why there was scepticism as to whether she would even win that third election. And the problem, another problem that she had was the introduction of the poll tax. Now, this is what people still talk about in this country, and this was probably the worst decision she made as Prime Minister, or one of the worst decisions she made as Prime Minister. And to this day, it is the reason why many, many towns across the UK, and especially Scotland as a whole, will never vote Conservative. Now, when you talk to anybody from Liverpool, and tell them that you vote Conservative, just, you might as well run away. Do you know what I mean? Scotland's exactly the same. They cannot stand the Tories, and a lot of it comes down to this poll tax. This tax basically um, tax the individual, um, the individual people living in the houses, um, and people paid per person um, for, for this tax. Now, on the grand scheme of things, it probably sounds like an okay idea. The problem is, most middle-class families had more than one person living in the house. Maybe two, three or four kids in some, some cases. So the people who voted her into power were now suddenly paying a lot more tax than what they would have done before. And the rich financial industries and people who only had one person living in their house, and maybe a wife, or sometimes one child who was off at private school, and therefore didn't have to pay that tax, because they weren't living at home, and things like that, they saw their bills drop. So you've now got a situation where the richest men and women in the country are paying less tax, and the middle class and lower class are paying more tax. She rolled this out in Scotland first in 1989, and by 1990, there were riots all across Scotland, 
Um, in fact, to a point that over a million people refused to pay this tax. Um, and she was urged not to carry on and to basically to, to drop this tax because people weren't going to take it. On March the 31st, 1990, saw the riots come into England. And they knew what was coming. And the massive poll tax riots um, happened all across the UK. And Maggie could have saved her political career by doing a U-turn on this and, and allowing this tax to just disappear. Um, but she was stubborn. She was known as the Iron Lady. This lady is not for turning. Um, all that crap that she came out with was, was her downfall because if she had have turned around and said, okay, we won't do this, she probably could have saved her political career. Unfortunately, she carried on. She pushed forwards. Um and the people fought back. You know, this was an unfair tax that was taxing the poorest people in the country um, and the people that had put her into that position. And and it's very hard for the for British to, to forgive something like that because they put their trust in, in Maggie. Um, they made her the Prime Minister for three terms in a row and she'd taken a... a a knife and stabbed them in the back and it, it just it was yeah it was bad it was really really bad I mean I, I I was born just after these riots but um you know everyone um prior to my to my birth was aware of the poll tax riots I mean even now um a lot of people sort of in their 40s and 50s they still talk about the poll tax riots um because it was it was such a huge thing that happened in in this country and and it was purely because she was too stubborn to realize she'd actually made a mistake margaret thatcher was challenged to a leadership contest as same way as she did to ted heath now she actually won this leadership contest by a very very small margin um this meant it went to a second round of votes and she was aware that she probably wasn't going to win and therefore jumped before she could be pushed. And on November the 22nd, 1990, Margaret Thatcher stepped down as Prime Minister for the UK. At the time she stepped down, she was the longest serving um, Prime Minister in British 20th century. She had a very, very strange career. Um, she was... Yeah, she was seceded by a man named James Callaghan. Um, she was very, very strange as a Prime Minister. There were so many things that we can look at um, and decide whether she was good or whether she was bad. Um, she was certainly extremely in influential. She had so many ups and downs as Prime Minister. And it's very hard to to put a pinpoint on whether you whether you like her or whether you don't like her um, as far as I'm concerned on the one hand um, she was the first female prime minister of a major western country she was influential in making millionaires she was influential in protecting British interests overseas um, you know the Falklands war she um, helped industries in this country uh, be self-sufficient 
she helped uh, the financial district grow to what we know today. But, on the other hand, she beat her own people with the police. She uh, insinuated or pretty much started riots across the country. She decimated towns in the north of England. Um, She refused to back down from things that were clearly bad for the country. And, you know, she oversaw some of the worst things that to happen to political prisoners such as Bobby Sands and things like that. Um, she was a catalyst behind um, him dying and things like that. So she, you can make your own decision on Margaret Thatcher, whether you, you like or dislike her. Um, but Thatcherism is still a political movement today. Um, she is still well known as one of the greatest um, and the worst prime ministers in English history. Um, And she actually died um, on the 8th of April uh, 2013 um, at 87 years old. And like I said, that was the week where uh, Ding Dong, The Witch is Dead, became number two in the British charts. So that goes to show how she was seen um there are interviews that you can see of british people when they say oh you know uh, interviewing an old lady and it's it's um a, you can find it on youtube um but one of the news channels in the uk interviewed an old lady and said you know margaret thatcher's dead and she just went good and it was you know it's that sort of attitude to her that uh makes her so controversial um but yeah, let me know what you, you thought of this episode. Send us a message. Drop us a, an email, uh, twihpod at gmail.com. Get in touch on Facebook. I say this every week. Um, let me know what you think of the Iron Lady. Was she good or was she bad? Uh, you can make your own decisions now. And I shall leave you with it. So just remember, guys, we all have history. Make yours great. Bye-bye. In the heat of the moment, you're not just keeping it calm, you're keeping it cool, too. With an ice-cold cold brew, and not just any cold brew, but one that's slow-steeped and mixed with brown sugar and molasses flavor. With a cold foam infused with brown sugar coolness and a cinnamon sugar sprinkle on top. That's keeping it calm, cool, and cold brewed. With Dunkin's new brown sugar cream cold brew, America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Terms apply. Finding the right person for the job isn't easy. Just ask someone who hired a stuntman to do their home renovations. Just finished the new sunroom, Mrs. C. The best part is I used candy glass for all the windows, so you can do this. And this. Doesn't hurt a bit either. But if you've got an insurance question, you can always count on your local GEICO agent. They can bundle your policies, which could save you hundreds. And if you don't want to take the long way to the kitchen, the walls are breakaway too. See? For expert help with all your insurance needs, visit geico.com slash local today. In the heat of the moment, you're not just keeping it calm, you're keeping it cool too. With an ice cold cold brew, and not just any cold brew, but one that's slow steeped and mixed with brown sugar and molasses flavor. With a cold foam infused with brown sugar coolness and a cinnamon sugar sprinkle on top. That's keeping it calm, cool, and cold brewed. With Dunkin's new brown sugar cream cold brew, America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Terms apply.